This is Robin, the producer. You can now take KRBN Internet News Talk Radio with you on your mobile phone as we are making it easier to listen to the great hosts here on KRBN, including our very own West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. It's free and available on Google Play. Just look for player.fm. That's player.fm and search for KRBN. Live from Lane County, Oregon, it's the Bo's Nose Show with your host, West Lane County Commissioner, Jay Bozovich. And now, here's Jay. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of the Bo's Nose Show. And I'm your host, West Lane County Commissioner Jay Bozovich, and we're coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira, where we're getting out the uh, the boats and the uh, life vest because the uh, atmospheric river is coming and it has already started here. It is pouring cats and dogs outside. But we need it here in western Oregon because, you know, we, we're – in drought and all that good stuff. So um, looking forward to that, that rain. Uh, maybe it might help our, our lakes and rivers and aquifers and get all back to normal here. But we shortened and delayed Bo's Nose Show today, had commissioners stuff to do, obviously came straight from a meeting in my, my sports coat here, an actual in-person meeting. Ah! <laughs> Yes, uh, we, we can talk about the fact that we're still wearing masks in Oregon and nowhere else in, in, the, in the country. Um, but had an in-person meeting, finished up at 4, couldn't make it back to, to the studio here before 4.30. So it's late start, which means we got to get right down to business and get into a couple topics that it, I just felt it was too important. I couldn't skip the show this week because I think people need to, to be thinking about these. But I will remind folks, we are a call-in show. If you want to take us into some different direction, we're always welcome to do that, even if it's just a half-hour show, 646-721-9887, and just press 1 so uh, we know that you want to actually talk versus just calling in to listen. Again, 646-721-9887, just press 1. So Robin, my call screener and producer extraordinaire here on Student Run Radio, knows you want to talk. So I wanted, and the main reason I'm doing the show today is just to kind of one more time prompt people to pay attention to our redistricting effort that we are in right now. We had our first reading of the redistricting ordinances yesterday, and they are leading to two public hearings coming up on November 30th, Right after this is right after Thanksgiving, so you know it's one of those weekends people won't be paying attention. And then 1:30 Tuesday, November 30th, we have our first public hearing. Of course, it's a virtual public hearing. You know, we won't be able to look you. You know, you won't be able to look us in the eye and tell us what you want. We'll hear you via the internet, and uh, we won't actually see you if you testify in that public hearing. But 1:30. Tuesday, November 30th is the first public hearing, and then we're going to continue that hearing to a second time 
the next day on Wednesday, December 1st, in the evening for a public hearing on the redistricting at 6 p.m. So two opportunities to tune in virtually and and raise your hand virtually to speak. Um, and you have to kind of register in advance through our website. And if you go to the Lane County Board of Commissioners page on our and 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 uh, click on the agenda current agenda um, you can it'll there's a place where you can click to, to register to, to give public comment that all said um, we really need to hear from people because there's three maps out there now and we are hearing um, some some testimony via um, email right now and that's the thing I want to encourage people to do um, is if you can't do the public testimony thing and some people don't like to do it because they don't like it because it's kind of public even though you're going to probably do it with your phone or your, or your computer it's still speaking publicly and I know a lot of people don't like to do that go on to the lanecounty.org slash IRC page Again, that's lanecounty.org slash IRC, which is the Independent Redistricting Committee page. And on that page are links to the three maps that we're considering. And uh, take a look at those maps and think about which ones best meet the descriptions of the commissioner's districts that are in our charter. And our charter basically says that um, those districts, and it's in Section 10, 3C of our charter, this is how it describes our districts. The West Lane County District, yours truly's district, generally comprised of Western Lane County outside the metropolitan area. So that's the description of the district, generally comprised of Western Lane County outside the metropolitan area. Now the Springfield district says generally comprised of the Springfield metropolitan area, except as provided in this charter, you know, the commission will be elected from this district. Yeah, the only time that happens is if somebody gets redistricted out, um, they might continue serving that district. So Springfield's generally the Springfield metropolitan area. South Eugene generally comprises the South Eugene metropolitan area, not the countryside. North Eugene generally comprises the North Eugene metropolitan area, not the countryside. East Lane County District generally comprises the Eastern Lane County outside the metropolitan area. So with those descriptions in mind, there's two districts in Lane County that are supposed to be rural and not part of Eugene Springfield. Two districts that are specifically supposed to be Eugene and one district that's supposed to mostly be Springfield. Now, the Eugene metropolitan area actually has so much population that it's more population than two districts can have in it and stay balanced. So they can't represent all of the Eugene metropolitan area, North and South Eugene, because they would have too many people. And un 
fortunately, east and west lane outside of, of the Eugene Springfield metropolitan area don't have enough people to, to balance populations. So they have to take some portion of the metropolitan area. Springfield metropolitan area does not have enough people in it to make up a full district. So understanding that, there's absolutely no reason for North and South Eugene districts to go beyond the metropolitan areas because they, there's enough people in those areas to make up a district and keep it compact, which is another standard they have to meet, keep it, you know, keep communities of interest together, areas that are connected by transportation, follow um, geographic boundaries and more natural boundaries. So, you know, those are some of the aspects of, of how you draw a election district. Understanding all that and then looking at those three maps, ask yourself which map best keeps those rural districts rural and metropolitan districts metropolitan. So knowing that almost everybody agrees that map two is not a good map. I don't think I've gotten any positive comments for map two, but I am getting positive comments for map J that has North Eugene going out past Alvador. And the justification for that is the Bethel School District goes out there. Well, following school district lines for county commissioner districts is kind of a confusing standard. County commissioners have no say in the funding of school districts, no say in the makeup of their boundaries, in the makeup of their boards, in, in the policies that the boards pass, they have no say in the running of the schools. They have no say in the activities that the kids do. There is no connection between county government and schools. So using school boundaries isn't a community of interest in matters of county concern. So I'm not quite understanding why the Bethel School District boundary is so important. Not to mention the Bethel School District boundary splits two neighborhoods into pieces. The Santa Clara and River Road neighborhoods are divided by the Bethel School District boundary. And those are clear communities of interest in matters of county concern. There are two neighborhoods that have unique identities that have differing issues and have the, you know, the ancient issue in this area of, of, you know, possible forced annexations and dealing with the patchwork of city and county, uh, you know, ownerships and, and, and uh, jurisdictions. Um, that doesn't matter which school district you live in, you know, Beltline Road improvements, that doesn't matter which school district you live in. It matters what neighborhood you live in, whether you want to pay attention to that river crossing, because you're one of those folks in Santa Clara that has to deal with it all the time. You know, that's really 
those are communities of interest. Those recognized neighborhood boundaries by the city of Eugene, I think, are, are much stronger communities of interest than a school district boundary in that area. So I would encourage people to take a look at that. I believe, just in, in my opinion, that Map C best represents the descriptions in our charter, best keeps communities of interest together. Um, but we need to hear from the people. I may be wrong. I'm encouraging you to go to that page, lanecounty.org.irc, I mean, slash IRC, review the three maps that are there, and provide us comments. And the easiest way to provide us comments is, to, is after you're finished looking at the maps on the lanecounty.org IRC page, you go up to the top of the page and you click the the little government button there and there's a drop down menu and go to board of commissioners. You know, it's one of the first things down the drop down. Go to that page and on the lower right side of the board of commissioners page is a button that says email the entire board. Click that button and it'll bring up the email in your email program that whatever you use on your computer. And then you can write the board about which of those three maps you like and why. And I would encourage people to do that because those maps are going to be in place for the next 10 years, the next five commissioners' election cycles. They have consequence. So we, we, you've basically got the next couple of weeks to provide the board input and those two public hearings. And probably the easiest way to do it is go look at the maps online lanecounty.org slash IRC, and then go to the Board of Commissioners page, click on that email the board, and write your comments while you're thinking about it, all fresh in your head. Probably can take you 15 minutes to do all that. 15 minutes to influence a decision that's going to last 10 years. And, you know, if you don't participate, then you Better not complain if they adopt a map like Map Q that puts Cresswell in the South Eugene District and puts Junction City in the North Eugene District. You know, just just saying, might want to take a look at those maps. I mean, that that Map Q has got some strange stuff going on. <laughs> so this is, you know. Why I came on today, even though I came on late, I wanted to start the clarion call for people to provide us input. Don't let us make this decision in a vacuum. Make us have to do it based on what the people of Lane County want. Because that was the idea of starting an independent redistricting committee, although I have mentioned that one of the members of that committee that drew two of those maps was a paid political consultant for two commissioners that are up for re-election next year, which will be under these new maps. But I digress. The big issue is we just need to hear from the people because we should be trying to follow what the people think is sensible because people generally have common sense. And unless you're you know, politically motivated into trying to, to, to get your party or your 
side unfair advantage. Um, I think when you look at the maps, there's one that stands out as being fair and reasonable and doesn't look like it was done to advantage any one person, party, um, and is, is being done to try and balance the populations, maintain the rural character of the two rural districts, maintain the urban character of the three urban districts, and uh, and basically, you know, move on from there so we can have that, you know, earl, urban rural voice on the board, which we understand it's predominantly an urban voice because three of the commissioners basically come from urban areas and urban votes um, because that's where the bulk of the population is in this county. But we don't want to make it so that we're basically only hearing the urban voice. And I'm concerned that two of those maps will magnify the urban voice of this community and dilute the rural voice. So I can't say it enough. We really need your input. LaneCounty.org slash IRC brings you to the Independent Redistricting Committee's page. Right there up front is the three links to the maps. Um, the links to the reports touting the, the good bad of each map, supposedly. Um, but I would also encourage people to think about that school districts really aren't a community of interest when it comes to matters of county concern. I mean, our, you know, sheriff's office, our, you know, DA's office, that's not a school issue. But that's those two departments are a big portion of our general fund, almost in, you know 65 percent. You know, so I just you know we don't have any authority over schools. Schools don't have any interaction necessarily with the services we provide. Um, there really isn't a community of interest relative to school districts. There sure is a community of interest if you live in Santa Clara, where you all have that same issue of Beltline Road, where you all hear airport noise now and then, where you all live close to the, the farms out there and want to preserve farmland, uh, where you all have a connection to the Willamette River and might have some concerns about the extension of the, of the bike path uh, up into neighborhoods along there. You know, that's the entire neighborhood's concern. We don't need to divide that neighborhood artificially because there's a school district boundary that divides that neighborhood. Schools, counties don't have overlapping services, jurisdictions. They're not truly uh, a community of uh, concern when it comes to things that come before Lane County, matters of county concern. So that's the main reason I came on today, to promote that. But I want to digress a little bit. One, I'll give a chance for folks if they want to get in on the show, 646-721-9887. Don't forget to press one so we know you want to talk. And 646-721-9887. But I want to digress a little bit and talk about the fact that we got the 490-some page federal 
temporary emergency rules. I love how they do that. <laughs> From OSHA, you know, through you know, which is basically the Biden administration, which I jokingly referred to as the Brandon administration. I actually had somebody unfriend me because I used that terminology. It's like, oh my gosh, that's got to be one of the funniest things in politics that's happened in a long time, and media, and and modern culture. I didn't necessarily like the chants that were going on. You don't need to be using cuss words and, and negative stuff never played well. I didn't like the pink hat stuff either. And some of the chants that were going on then. But the fact that one TV reporter tried to cover it up by renaming it, <laughs> and then it became a thing, and then the thing even took life to where we're getting memes on Facebook you know, of Dr. Jill Biden, you know, you know, and the, the meme basically says, oh, my God, please stop. He thinks his name is Brandon now. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's gotten to be a joke and funny. And if you can't take that joke that I referred to it as the Brandon administration, eh, maybe you shouldn't be listening to the Bo's Nose Show because we do joke around here sometimes. But temporary emergency rules came out. 490 pages, and I'm sorry, I don't understand why it's even necessary. Almost all the projections I'm starting to see now, and OHSU, not a conservative organization, not a, a, a Republican-run by any means, back on October 21st, put out a forecast of herd immunity. And basically said before the end of the year, sometime in December, we were going to reach a level of herd immunity in Oregon. Part of that reason is we were already at 24% natural immunity from people that had COVID and recovered. Which rarely sometimes doesn't get counted in there. And we're, you know, at least one jab we're at about 70% of our population. Add two together, that's pretty lot, pretty much covers, you know, where we're going here is trying to keep people from, you know, getting or transmitting COVID or having severe COVID, which is really the case because even the COVID vaccination does not provide true immunity in the sense of the definition. Because there are breakthrough cases 30% of our current cases in Oregon are breakthrough cases from people that have been vaccinated. So just understanding that it's more about preventing severe disease and reducing the transmission, not stopping it, just reducing it. Natural immunity has that same effect. Yes, you can still get COVID a second time, but it will probably not be a severe case of COVID and the chances are less that you'll even get it in the first place. So that, that all said, we know we're headed towards where we're not going to see COVID as a major player and it's going to become what is referred to as endemic in the population. It's going to change over, you know, once we have that herd immunity from a pandemic to an endemic which means we'll have to keep dealing with it, just like we deal with other diseases that are endemic in our population, like influenza. 
people are going to have to continue to get vaccinated and get boosters if they want to prevent severe disease. And, you know, that's all fine and good. I'm vaccinated. I'm planning to get a booster once I'm eligible. I know some people don't think I should do that, but that's my plan to how I want to keep healthy. But the point I'm trying to make is there's no reason to use coercion and the force of government to continue to boost those vaccine numbers, which are pretty damn high. 70% used to be the target. I don't know why that target's moved. And you know what's kind of fascinating? I saw some data of percent of, of uh, vaccination by state. Do you know that Florida's like a half a percent ahead of Oregon in vaccination rate? Have, have you heard of very many mandates in Florida when it comes to vaccination? It, it, Louis speaks up. It's like I've been saying on past episodes of the Bo's Nose Show, coercion doesn't really work in convincing people to do something. Education over time will eventually get people to vaccinate. And over time, they'll see whether people get negative reactions long-term from the vaccine. That's That's part of the hesitancy in some people out there is they're they're reluctant to be the first, to be the guinea pigs. They want to wait and see. And they're, they're making a personal risk decision around that. And if you're vaccinated, I don't understand why that's an issue for you <laughs> and why you think you need to threaten that person with their livelihood and job when we're reaching herd immunity because the number of people that have had COVID and recovered or the number of people that have been vaccinated. And I've put that chart up on the, the K, KU, <laughs> uh, KRBN, I almost said KPNW, sorry, the London and, and company, KRBN page, Internet News Talk Radio page before, and it's still up there, that I pulled from that OSU study that shows that herd immunity coming. You want to know where I'm getting my data? I'm getting it from OHA and OHSU and CDC. Why do we need a vaccine mandate? Which leads me to why do we need a mandate for Lane County employees when we're reaching these levels of vaccination and natural immunity? I asked the question of staff is why can't we count natural immunity in our vaccine mandate? If somebody can show that they actually had COVID and recovered, um, why that can't be considered vaccinated? Uh, and I got all sorts of excuses about, you know, well, you know, we don't really know how much protection that you know, that's going to provide and it may deteriorate over time. Well, we all know the vaccine deteriorates over time, too. It's why they're putting out boosters. You know, and whether they'll be able to to spread it. We also know that there was a study that came out last week that shows that even if you're vaccinated with no symptoms, you can actually transmit the Delta variant between people. Fully vaccinated, asymptomatic, you can transmit it. Well-documented study. So is this really about trying to teach people that 
government knows best and you have to do what government does or you might lose your job and that you now your job is dependent on following the orders of government. It's a scary place we're going. And I've reviewed before on the Bose Nose Show my justifications when I think force is allowed to be used and coercion of threat of your livelihood is coercion and force. This vaccine mandate is a use of force and you just can't justify it. It's not needed. We're reaching natural, we're reaching herd immunity anyway. It's not effective because it doesn't really convince people and it has unintended consequences. I can't tell you how many stories I heard today. Oregon Department of Forestry going to be short-staffed. Why? Partly because of vaccine mandates. The snow plows for ODOT are going to be short-staffed this winter. Traveling over the passes is going to be harder. Why? Vaccine mandates is part of the reason they're short-staffed. Story after story over the last couple of days. Holiday travel is going to be problematic this holiday season. Why? Vaccine mandates, short staff, all these logistical problems we're having, the inflation that's come with it, although the inflation's also really caused by our federal money policies and, and the bills that the Congress has passed, spending money that the country doesn't have is inflationary. Um, sorry, but... You know, so much of this is a problem created to fix something that that isn't going to get fixed by that solution and is causing other problems that are actually worse than the problem they're trying to solve. Oh, well. Well, that's about it for the Bose Nose Show today. We ran my half hour out pretty fast. I want to thank everybody for listening Next week is Giving Eve, I believe. Am I right, Robin? I believe you are. So we might move the show up a day or something like that. I'm going to talk to Robin about that. So pay attention to Facebook. I'll announce what we're doing up front. But I want to thank everybody that did tune in today, half hour late for a shortened show. Um, And uh, we'll be back soon. At the very latest, we'll be back um, right before the public hearing on the second public hearing on redistricting on December 1st. So I want to thank everyone for listening. I also want to thank all our veterans for their service to our country. Tomorrow is Veterans Day, and I would be remiss if I signed off without saying thank you, veterans. Thank you for your service. Just can't thank those people enough. So have a great week. And thank you for listening, coming to you live from beautiful downtown Elmira. Good evening.